Praise the Lord and good morning, everyone. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to start off with prayer this morning. And we're going to be continuing in chapter one. Hopefully we can finish up chapter one this session and start at least into chapter two. So we're still dealing with transitioning to prophetic office. And we're coming out of prophetic key um, textbook. And the author is Colette Toach. Hallelujah. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for your bountiful grace that you have poured upon your people. We thank you for those that are here, and we thank you, oh God, for what you're doing in the lives of your prophets. God, in Jesus' name, we are constantly always learning uh, a better way to serve you and to serve you with our whole hearts, God. And we understand that we have purpose in our lives in the earth and that you want to use us, oh God, to bring the body of Christ into unity according to Ephesians chapter 4, how that you told us through your word that we are to edify, we're to encourage, and we're to build up the body of Christ until we all come into the unity of the faith. And so, Lord, we're not there yet. All we have to do is look day to day at the TV or look out the window, and we can tell that we're not there yet. So much work to do, Lord. And so we ask you to give us a teachable spirit. Oh, God, help us, oh, God, to be willing and obedient so that we'll eat the good of the land, that we will have a burden for not only the lost, but those that are backslidden, those that are weak, Lord God, who are unstable in you, Lord God, that we can speak a word in the right season at the right time to bring healing to the body of Christ. And so, Lord God, as you go forth today, Lord God, be in my mouth, oh God, and give us ears to hear what you're saying to us, Lord God, in these last days, in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord God, we give you praise this morning and we thank you for being so kind and so good. And so people of God, I know that it's been almost two weeks, three weeks since we last met. First thing on a Saturday morning, you never, you know, usually if you walk out, you know, before, it's just Saturday morning as usual. But in the training and my call, now you become very observant. I never noticed the lost people that are out this time of morning walking, just walking. And I walked, drove down Franklin and here's this young lady, and I know where she just came from mm -hmm. because she's got on this red hair and this yellow jacket and these tights because they're all, you know, cut up, you know. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's like the Spirit said, you know where she came from. It was like, God. And each person that I passed is like, custom. This is what they was doing. That's what they was doing. And I found myself beginning to put my and it's like before, you know, people up and you, but now it's like it's so keen that I see. I'm like, God, why did I get up so early in the morning? It's too early in the morning. Well, they probably went to sleep. No, but that young, what caught me, that young lady walking, and I said, Oh my God. And it was like the spirit just showed me where she came from, 
and yeah. what she had been doing. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. okay, God, yeah, keep it. But I just wanted to share that that now. Mm -hmm. my Your eyes are opening. Mm -hmm. The more we focus on our purpose, the more we get enlightened to actually why that purpose exists. God could have chose anybody. He didn't have to choose you or I. But he chose us for whatever he saw in us, because he's the one that created us. And whatever purpose he saw in us, he called our name and we answered. And so, just tap on it. And so, um, that's what these classes are for. That's the purpose of these classes. So we can come together and reason together and the Holy Spirit can reveal to us what it is he wants us to do in that purpose. Because everybody don't understand or know what their purpose is. Just like everybody in the body of Christ don't understand or know what their gifts are. And until we come to embrace those things and learn how to use those things and follow the timing of the Lord, we just walking around taking up space in the earth. We're not productive. We're not going to produce nothing. We're just walking around like our heads in a fog. And, okay, where am I supposed to be? There's a place and a purpose for everyone that God has created. And, unfortunately, everybody does not come to know those things before their lifespan comes to an end. But if we are assigned to any of them, we need to be ready. Because as the scripture says, that if God tells us to warn them and we don't warn them and they die in their sins, the blood is on our hands. That's not just for prophets. That's just for Christians, people of God. We watch enough Christian movies on TV, on cable, uh, DVD, or however you watch them uh, to see how... The Christians, early church Christians, got persecuted for sharing their beliefs, sharing their faith, sharing the word of God. But the scripture says they loved not their own lives unto death, all the way up to death. They didn't care about if I lost because, you know, out of this body is in the presence of God. And we need to get back there. We need to have a sense of urgency that God, I gotta get your word out. We need to be about kingdom business. And especially if you're called to the prophetic arena, we have a certain urgency. And it's not always in the words that we say. Sometimes it's just your presence being there and the Holy Ghost moving through you as a silent witness. Because I'm gonna go on the job, I'm gonna go that direction. A lot of times on our jobs, arrows are shot at us. I just started back working at a school. When I was at the school in 2014, oh boy, there were so many arrows that was being shot against me because I knew what I was doing. I had purpose there and I recognized the purpose and I was reaching people. That's how Brother Justin ended up coming into holiness is because he was one of my employees and I opened my mouth at the right time and God engrafted him in. And a lot of us go through are, are placed in strategic places because God knows what our makeup, because he made us, he knows you're going to do what he drops in your spirit. And being prophetic, being a prophet even more, we have assignments, we have places that we're assigned to. And it's not so much, you can't go on your job 
saying Satan, I rebuke you out loud and telling people you got to repent like John the Baptist did at the Jordan River. You can't do that on your job if you want to keep your job. But God put you there so that you can intercede for what you're experiencing, what you're seeing and what you're hearing. It's not always you got to go tell somebody. The one you need to talk to is God. And God hears you. God hears his prophets. And a prophet's reward is answered prayers. When we go to God and we petition God for the right reason according to his will concerning them in Christ Jesus, God answers and he answers right away. It don't take forever. And it goes back to what I was talking about last class about boring through that mountain. That at first, when you first start interceding, it's almost like ain't nothing happening. This is hard. I can't even see the other side. But you can't give up. You stay, as we say, that acronym, PUSH. Pray until something happens. You cannot stop until that burden lifts or you feel it break in you. Then you know you broke through that mountain. Until then, you keep going. You don't stop and you, you give God no rest. Say, God, I ain't going to give you no rest until this takes place. You have to be serious about what you're saying to God. You got to be serious about your stance in God because you got to remember somebody prayed for you. Somebody prayed for you. And depending on what you were doing at the time that you heard the Lord call your name, it took somebody praying for you to get through your hearing so that you could say, oh, God, God, all this time, if I didn't know this, I wouldn't have took so long getting to you. But because we were bent, hell bent on going the direction we were going, you know, my mind's made up. I like what I'm doing. I ain't ready to stop. Yes, saints would come a long time ago and they would tell you about Jesus. They'd witness to you. They'd minister to you. You wouldn't budge. But God let a certain circumstance come up and knock on your door. And it got your attention loud and clear. God, I give up. I surrender. Okay, I ain't going to run no more. And you come to Jesus. Well, we still have an obligation to people to make it known. Now, the orientation of a prophet is different from the orientation of an evangelist. Sometimes there's a thin line and they almost look identical because you've heard evangelists get up there and speak under a powerful anointing. And they start prophesying. They start calling people out. They start giving people words. And it brings in a crowd and it breaks the yokes. But that's what evangelists do because there's some prophetic evangelists out there. But then the prophet gets up there and you see them almost doing the same thing. They bring up forth a powerful word under a powerful anointing. They start calling people out. They start prophesying to people and they start breaking yokes. Am I correct? Okay. But the difference is the orientation of the evangelist is toward the unchurched, the lost. The orientation of a prophet is to the believers in the house of God. That's the difference in their arena. Now, some people, they're still out there living in sin. And God allows that prophet to reach them only to find out they're actually backsliders. So guess what? It's still the believers. They just fell away from the Lord and they stopped believing the way they were believing. But a prophet, their orientation is toward the believer, the body of Christ. 
And the evangelist is toward those who are not saved yet. They don't know him. But you can see the correlation, can't you? How it almost looks like they're doing the same thing, but their arena's different. You don't find too many prophets going, having jail ministries. Usually the evangelist does that, or um, a pastor may do that and designate somebody to do that, but you don't see too many uh, prof prophets, um, you don't see too many prophets doing that because that's not their orientation. Okay, when we're transitioning from just prophetic ministry, just giving specific words at specific times and ministering like close to close with the evangelist. Okay, that's not office because when you shift to office or transition to office, we know the function changes. You're no longer one that you feel I got to give an urgent word. What we do now is let those who are still operating in ministry function in ministry and we critique them. We judge their words and we help bring them into correction or truth if they miss miss it we help lead them back because at that point once you go into office you have matured enough to where you're not out making those mistakes and those errors and those urgent I gotta say this because there was a time I felt such an urgency my heart was beating real fast my hand was sweating I gotta tell them because if they die and they sin he said it's on me so I wasn't operating under the timing of God. I was operating out of the emotion I was feeling. I got to hurry up and tell them. But God hadn't dealt with them yet, so they weren't very receiving. I don't know if you've been there too, how you go and tell somebody something. You had a dream. They was in it. Really, the dream wasn't for them, but it was for you. But because I saw them in the dream, I felt the word was for them. God wasn't dealing with them. God was dealing with me. We have to know the timing of God because if you go ahead of God, one out of ten, your feelings are going to get hurt because you're wearing them on your sleeve and you get offended because their rebuke is real sharp. And it's hurtful like, I'm only trying to help you. You didn't have to hurt my feelings. And now when they see you coming, they dodging you and they telling everybody else, don't, go, don't listen to them because they got to worry, but it ain't for you. I've experienced that too hurt my feeling. I'm going, well, then what you show it to me for? It wasn't for them. It was for intercession. It was for going in that prayer closet and drop down on the floor and talk to God about what I just saw, what I just received. Because God has to deal with the person first. You know, thank you. About that. I have, long story short, I have a young lady on my job and she goes to a church here in the city and and beautiful young lady lots of things and she's always she'll come to me and say miss linda just pray for me and i'm like okay in the beginning i was like okay you know and then we were just talking last week and she was like i i i, I just don't know what else i'm doing i pay my tithes i this i that i'm doing this her and her daughter and and i'm just tired i'm just tired i don't have any more joy I don't have any more peace I'm just tired I don't know what else to do and so part of me wanted just to give this but then I couldn't I just I couldn't I just listened to her 
And I went home and I just started praying. It was during our fasting time. And I said, God, what am, what am I supposed to say to her? What am, I mean, because I don't, I'm, I'm like, I know the part before would have said, I said, but Lord, what, it's like, it's like she's crying out to me and I don't know what to do. So um, Thursday, Thursday, no, Friday, Friday, because we were our teachers. Friday, she, she, I left, I put a sticky note on her computer. When you come in, come see me. So she came to see me and I said, you okay? Let's talk. Through the course of this, she begins to open up. Her daughter's nine. Her daughter's father got murdered when the baby was nine months old. So there's a grieving thing in there. She, the job is just really getting to her. That's another thing. And then there's, she feels like she, she has no, no joy, no peace, no, no direction. And I looked at her and I heard the voice say, I said, you're depressed. And she said, and then she started crying. I said, okay. So this is what I'm asking you. You know, when you say go in your closet, I, I, I was, I really wanted to jump on, like, but I couldn't. It was like God was like, it was like, I don't want to say. I wanted to say something out my mouth, but it was like, mm, I, every time I was, it was a. And so I had to listen to her. Mm -hmm. And so now when you just said that, mm -hmm. it just gave me confirmation, okay, mm -hmm. it may have been just for me to intercede for her mm -hmm. and not say anything to her. Because that's what I did. It was going on through our fasting. And I did intercede for her. And then she finally started. And she's like, Miss Linda, can I talk to you sometime? Mm -hmm. Just whenever I said, sure. You know, so I'm glad you said that because that now gave me understanding. Yeah, you, you start understanding how God works when you start transitioning to office and you see what you're getting ready to step into is different from what you're coming out of. It's not the same. And God is looking for obedience. He's not looking for, oh, you so highly anointed or you so knowledgeable. God is looking for obedience. He wants somebody who's going to do it the way he says do it, when he says do it. No questions asked. We have a tendency to ask questions. Why, God? I don't understand, God. He didn't say we needed to understand. That's what coming to class is for. That's what training and teaching is for. You get understanding through that. When it's time to actually physically go out there and do work the plan of God, that's not the time to be asking God what for. Why well, I got to talk to me, God? What you sending me for? No, you need to be willing and obedient uh, to what the Holy Spirit is directing you to do. And a lot of times, I don't know if you've experienced it or not, but I have. That when God, if something's getting ready to happen, I'm finding out the day before or the day of, I will wake up with a dream from instruction from the Lord. And I'll see something happen in my dream. When I wake up, I'm, I'm trying to put together what it means. And I know it's something that's getting ready to happen because of who's in it and my emotions, the way I'm feeling when I wake up out of it. I said, oh God, okay, God, it's either going to happen today 
or it's getting ready to happen before this week's over and I know you've given me I've learned that now and so when it happens I am not caught off guard because it goes right back to my dream I said you warned me this was gonna happen so now because it's starting to happen more frequently I'm starting to understand as soon as I wake up I'm preparing myself I go into intercession I say God whatever's getting ready to happen in this whoever you get ready to bring in my path Lord God help me to pass my test help me to be obedient to what you showed me in my sleep and I don't I don't trip over it no more it doesn't cause me to get out of whack no more it's like I'm looking for what he showed me and when it happens I said thank you for heads up God because I'm learning that he warns me ahead of time and the scripture says in the book of Isaiah if I'm correct is chapter it might be chapter 42 might be 43 and it says that a new thing I'm about to do, and before it springs forth, I tell you of it. That's the Holy Ghost giving you warning in your sleep. Before you get up, this is, you just gotta use the symbols, look at the symbols and interpret the symbols of what it actually entails. Cause if it's, um, if it's somebody you don't know, one chance out of 10 is not gonna happen in your immediate family. It's gonna happen outside of your home and it could be on your job, it could be at school, it could be in the church, it could be anywhere, but this thing is getting ready to happen and you need to keep it in the back of your mind because he gives you instruction of how to deal with it in your dream. This is what's helpful when you learn how to interpret dreams. All dreams are not as though it looks in your sleep. one of you to talk because it's still I can't stop this so you Still in chapter one, she said. Yeah. Making that transition. Yeah. Yes. Making that. Making that transition. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. Are we still in chapter one? Yes, we're still in chapter one. And um, we're getting ready to go to chapter one right now. And I'm just going to summarize what we talked about last class uh, we're still talking about transitioning to office and the anatomy of the prophet that's ready for office and we know anatomy is like when you look at a human body it shows you the skeletal it shows you all the muscles the ligaments the sinews the bones and all this and this is how medicine studies the human body and so the anatomy of a prophet that's ready for office is now you're examining where you are right now and where you're getting ready to step into. What it is you've learned, what you're experiencing, what you're doing now as far as um, your anointing that you carry. The, we all know, all of us that are Holy Ghost still have the internal anointing, but we don't all recognize the external anointing when it's in operation. Okay, now you already know. 
when it comes upon you, when it lifts up off of you, you know what it feels like. You can describe it in detail. You already know the audience or the arena that God is using you in right now, whether that be at your church as an altar worker or a preaching ministry or you teaching a Sunday school class or you have a nursing home ministry. You already know what your arena is. And so you know God, what your gifts are. You know I have the gift of healing. You know I have the gift of um Word of knowledge. I, I operate in the gift of discerning of spirits. I operate in the gift of the word of wisdom. You know by now what your gifts are and how you use them. When when you recognize them and, and whatnot, you recognize actually throughout the church and whatever that people are addressing you. You know you're a prophet and they're respecting you. So you have some following somewhere. You got people following you because they see your anointing. And when you speak to them, you speak to them with authority that you you recognize where your authority is, where it works and where it don't. When it comes to uh, the gift of healing, those who have that gift, they have authority over certain sicknesses. By now, you should know what that is, okay? When God uses me, or growing up, God used me. He used me, I could stop blood from flowing. When it was like profuse blood, I could stop it just with a word. Uh, God has used me to heal broken bones. I've healed so many broken ankles, broken foot, broken fingers, broken noses, and they knew they were healed because they were walking and they were using it where before they had to use a crutch or a cast. And one man, the last one I remember at God's love, he was a visitor. He was on crutches and he had a cast. And I asked him, could I pray for him? And I prayed for him. He threw, gave somebody else's crutches. He went home and tore, ripped the cast off his foot. And he was jumping the mill street because it got back to me. He was doing, he said, I'm healed. She heals me. I didn't do it. It was a prayer of faith and the gift of healing that God allowed me to use. That's what healed him. Cheryl's nephew uh, came up one watch night. He had rods in his legs because he was running from the police and he messed his leg up, he crushed his leg. Um, he was in a car accident and the, it crushed his leg and he told me he had three pins in his leg and I asked him, could I pray for him? And he told me yes. To, that man, to this day, that man has no pins in his legs. He doesn't have a cast, crutch, brace, nothing because I recognized the gifts that I had and how God was using me. And I reflect back a lot how God used to use me in areas like that. Well, by the time I get ready to go into prophetic office, I already knew that's how he uses me. I knew what my arena was. I could stop blood. I could uh, heal broken bones. I prayed over a disease um, that my nephew had when he was a baby. Next morning, God, it was completely gone. He had brand new skin up his neck. His mother was screaming because it was growing up his face. And I prayed the night before, and when we got up the next morning, it was completely clear. It was gone. And I know God did that. But see, this is what I'm talking about. So by the time you get ready to transition into office, you already know how God uses you. You know, because you've seen it work. You've seen God work through you and you're not at the place where you're still immature taking the credit. You know, it's God. And when people come, I'm so glad. No, God did that. He just used me as a vessel for you. And it makes you want to go out and start looking for more people to put your hands on. So when you're still immature 
and you're still, you're not ready, you still are looking at, it's all you, it's me, it's me. You want attention, you want to be seen in what you're doing. You want, you want, you demand an audience, if I can say it that way. When you're mature enough to transition into office, you already know it ain't about you no more. You ain't got to have somebody's attention. You just do what you do. And when it's time for you to do what you do, your gift makes room for you. You ain't got to say, here, let me do it. No, your gift, may, oh, prophetess, come up here. Because God drops in their spirit. There's a prophet sitting there. Prophetess, prophetess, prophetess. Come up here and handle this. You be at school. I'm serious. Once you start recognizing the voice of God, because right now you may not recognize it readily yet. Once you start recognizing it, the Holy Ghost will say to you. Is she filled with the Holy Ghost yet? The Holy Ghost talks. And you'll hear him. Have you heard his voice yet? Well, sometimes I hear his voice, but one time um, I thought it was mom calling me, but it was really God. Yes, I remember that. I was six years old the first time I heard it. My daughter heard it. My son heard it. Now my granddaughter just told me she heard it. It's real. It didn't just happen to Samuel. It's real. God talks to children. And us parents have an obligation to our children to train them of what the voice of the Lord sounds like and how to respond when we hear it. And that same voice will say to you, sweetie, what's your name? Sierra. Sarah. Sarah. Oh, Sarah. Sarah, okay. Sarah, you be sitting in school, and you'll see one of your friends, and it looks like they're sad. Something could have happened. And the Holy Spirit will say, he may not call your name. He just may say in your ear, go over there and just put your hand on your friend. That To see, that's what I'm talking about. That's God. And so already at a young age, she's sensing her purpose in the earth. And that's what I'm talking about. And it just makes you feel so good that God chose you. Because he could have chosen anybody in your classroom, but he chose you. And because he chose your mom, normally the apple don't fall far from the tree. And even though your children are grown, but they're going their own way, other than the way they were raised, they're still, the apple don't fall from the tree. One of them, if not more, more of them, has a prophetic call on their life. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Because I read, my parents, my mother was a prophet. She didn't recognize it and because she didn't know the Lord like she did before she passed away. And so she kind of missed the mark in training us. She didn't recognize it in us. But because you are being taught, God is dealing with you on yours, you recognize it in your children and in your grandchildren because God said, uh, my word that I place in your mouth, I will not remove from your, your seed's mouth, nor your seed seed's mouth. And so that's all the way up to the fourth generation. It's going to trickle down on them. And so the earlier you learn, the better you are to help them learn. And they should be learning from you. Because you don't know if they're going to make it to office or not, but at least they'll be knowing, knowledgeable of 
eventually God may put you in this because it's really his call. Whoever ends up in office is his call. It's got nothing to do with your lineage. It has nothing to do because your mom or your daddy was in office. It's if Jesus wants to put you in it, at least they'll be prepared one way or the other. Amen? Because most of them, as we're taught, don't make it to office because they can't handle the intense training that they have to go through. Because as I've been told by many, I don't want to go through the suffering. Well, as a Christian, you don't suffer anyway. But they know there's a difference between the way a basic Christian suffers and the way a prophet in training suffers. Still, stop and think about it. Anything God calls you to do should make you feel proud and honored to do it for the one who died for your sins. I am privileged for God to use me to do anything because I don't deserve to be used. So it, as you mature in God, you start understanding some things and you don't take as much for granted as you did. And so that's why these classes are important. Okay, as we're dealing with the anatomy of the prophet that's ready for office, our book says, do you remember how long it took the Holy Spirit just to get you to the place of acknowledging your call? I know it took a long time. It's on page 12. And it's at the should be at the bottom of that page. Um, I know it took me a long time because I ran from it because I didn't want to do it. And it wasn't because it scared me. It was, I believe in the pages are lined up. It should be page 12. At the top, it should say who this is not for. Okay. There it is. Okay, so go to your next page. Okay, see right there. Okay. Did you find it? Okay. So it's asking, do you know, remember how long it took the Holy Spirit just to get you to the place of acknowledging your call? I thought I was a choir member. I thought I was an altar worker. I thought I was a preacher. I thought I was a pastor. I thought I was everything but what he said I was because I really wasn't trying to do it. And I know I wasn't the only one. Okay. Well, this is another one of those turning points in your life. And it is not a roulette wheel where you get to hit or miss it. This is not a lucky guess or a desperate hope that you can quickly get prophetic office without going through the process. And a lot of us try to get there without going through the process. In fact, if you have not gone through the process already, you will not make this transition at all. So with that being said, allow me to illustrate for you what someone ready for this book looks like. Once upon a time, you finally received a conviction of your call only for everything to be turned upside down. Instead of doors opening, they seem to shut in your face. Ministry opportunities closed down and the Lord began to draw you aside. This was frustrating for you at times. You knew you were called to be a prophet. You knew you were meant to deliver his word. But instead of being released, you were shut down instead. You want to move forward. You wanted to rise up as a prophet, but people either used you because you could not could because you could, excuse me, hear from God or they did not acknowledge your prophetic call at all. Am I the only one? I think not. Okay. Um, I remember when um, 
ministry opportunities close. Um, I remember I could was speaking here and there and there and over there and going out of town and then all of a sudden there were no more. Exactly. And, and I thought, oh well, maybe my season's up. I made every thought, every excuse. I thought, well, maybe my season was up and then um, I would have them every blue moon. But I, 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 mm. but I did decide, I was beginning to ask God, I need more. I need to hear more, but I thought that I had done something wrong because it was like, it was like as 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 much as they flourish and they came, it's like it was like a faucet just turned off, and I'm like, okay. And all prophecies, prophecies go through that. It's not just it's you. No, that's part of the training. We don't recognize it at first unless you're in a situation like this where you're being taught. This is why this, it's, okay, this brings you to the, the, the brook Kareth. We sometimes pronounce it Cherith, but it's Kareth because the C-H has a K sound. Um, this is where Elijah found himself. And so when he was talking to God in the mountain because he was running from Jezebel, and the Lord asked him, what are you up here? What are you here for? And the Lord said what he said, did what he did, and said, now go down to the brook chair. Well, the ravens will provide for you there. And that's exactly where he went because the drought had started, that he decreed, and the brooks dried up. Um, it said, and so your journey began. Your frustrations led you into the presence of Jesus where you finally felt the shelter you so desperately needed. His words brought honey to your lips and oil to your broken soul. It was in the secret place that you came to know him face to face and to realize that this journey of yours always had a purpose. That's one of the clear signs of a prophet going to office or in office it's a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus and I know today's teaching because I heard it last week that even apostle uh, the apostle uh, ship ended because it died with them because they were the foundation and I agree there are no more foundational prophets or apostles but the office the function of the office still uh, resides in the earth but they don't believe that anymore they believe when those apostles died it died too so they felt they had a right to erase it off the five fold nobody has a right to do that because what is the scripture says that if someone or an angel preaches any other gospel then what you have been given let him be accursed you can't change nothing god said without consequences I'm sorry because there's too many people that have heard the voice of God say or heard the Holy Ghost say, you're my prophet. Well, if I'm his prophet, then why are you telling me they are no more? Am I crazy? And this stops prophets from arising doing what the Lord told them to do because man told me there are no more. So I don't believe. I believe what he said. Well, that's to your peril. Because if you heard the voice of the Holy Ghost tell you and nobody else was in that room when he said it, I'm sorry, you heard it come from somewhere and the devil is not going to tell you you're a prophet because the devil hates prophets. He hates true prophets with a passion. 
So the devil is not going to tell you you're a prophet of God. So where the voice come from? You ain't going to tell yourself because you don't want to go through all that stuff. So where did it come from? Somebody said it to you. There only leaves one, and that's the spirit of God. So either you are what God says you are or you're not. You have to receive it. You have to accept it, or you're going to walk around just wandering with your head stuck up in the clouds, wondering why ain't nothing working for you. And although you may be preaching, teaching, whatever, you're miserable. You're not happy. You're not fulfilled. Because when you do the work, the work of God, it fulfills you. It makes you happy when you know you're doing what he told you to do. Even if somebody slammed the door in your face, did not the disciples rejoice? Even though they got rejected, they came back. Even the devil's a subject to me. Well, it ain't because of you. It's because of the Spirit of God in you. But if God hadn't called you, there's no way that would have happened. So, yes, ma'am. That's part of the reason I believe, and I believe you all will believe, agree why the body is the way it is. Mm -hmm. It's so sick because the Bible says he gave some. And you got to have all of the fivefold working. Mm -hmm. So we can all come into the unity of the faith. Exactly. And if we, you know, you're doing away with apostles and prophets, and you just got the evangelist, you just got the teacher and the and you know the pastors. You're fragmented. Yeah. There's not a lot of balance and a lot of, you know, because of what prophets do and what um, apostles do. You know, their role is not being able to be fulfilled and is leaving people empty. Yes, it's it leaving is. people stagnant. It's and leaving broken. people broken and the and body not put together. together yeah. So you can't have yeah. one without the other. Right. Now, now we're not saying you go and you start the basic ABCs off the doctrine all over again. That is, see, that's how you know the enemy's in it. Because they misinterpret stuff and they pass it on to other people and they do it in such a persuasive, convincing way that they got to be telling the truth. But didn't the Pharisees and Sadducees do that too? What did Jesus say about them? He called them vipers. <laughs> so their poisonous words was killing people. Well, what do you think they're doing now? Now, I don't want to speak against my leaders. Okay? And... I don't want to speak against the organization that our leaders are in. But when you're wrong, you're wrong. And that's the difference between a prophet and everybody else. A prophet believes in black and white. You're either right or you're wrong. I don't care what you say. What did the word say? I know you said that it died, but what does the word say? The word says it's still alive. No, there is no more Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and all of them. But my Bible says in the New Testament that there were prophets and apostles. They might not have been recognized, but they were there. So if it died with the first 12, well, how come the Bible still called Silas and what's his name? Um, was Timothy called one? I know Silas, Paul and Silas, so I know Silas was one. And in the book of Acts, it talks about a group of them. Their name is Niger, or Niger all of them. Yeah, in chapter 3, and or 13, it's 3 or 13. And it talks about about five of them, calls them by name, said they were prophets. Okay, that's New Testament. We're still New Testament. So if they were there, and by then, the first original 12 were dead already. Or dying anyway. 
So, so what they're saying is it ended at the end of the New Test Old Testament, basically. But they say in the Book of Acts is not closed. We're still living in the Book of Acts. So that means if there were prophets in the first part of the Book of Acts, by the time it gets to us, it would have said uh, they're all dead. They all died. Now it said when the apostles died. Now John. He got uh, rescued off of the island of Pathmas. He died in Ephesus at an old age. He was the last one. He wasn't martyred. He died a natural death. Okay, the only one that died a natural death. Okay, but did the apostles' doctrine stop? No. And that was brought up last Saturday. That how the we continue the apostles' doctrine. We we teach what they taught. Okay. Let me go a step further. If we teach it, Acts 13, the first chapter, it says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, I hope I'm saying his name right, that were called Niger. Niger. Niger and Luke, Luke, Lucas of Siren. And men, okay, it's uh, the names, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's right there. Acts, uh, Acts thirteen and one, mm -hmm. and 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 then two. It says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, "Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them." And they were apostles. Okay, so they went out and started brand new churches, and that's mm -hmm. where we got. The definition that apostle starts churches. Okay, they mm -hmm. govern the work of God in the earth. That's what they do. Okay, they they they're pioneers. They go places. They God ain't there yet, and they take God in there and they establish it. But they take prophets with them because the prophet is the one that shows them that's not safe. Don't go there. There's a trap there. Don't go there. The Lord says that's blocked. That door is not open. Or God gave you an effectual door. You can walk through this door. That's why they worked with prophets. The apostles were not supposed to receive that. The prophet was. And so even though we don't teach apostleship in our organizations, that don't mean they don't exist. It's just man chooses not to accept. It's still there. Okay? They, they scarcely use the prophet. That's why you got so many prophets going solo in Rome. Because they can't. God's telling them to do stuff. They can't do it because won't nobody open the door and let them in. Oh, you're a prophet? No, you can't operate in here. We don't believe in that. So right there, you can't get no help from God. You done limit how you want God to help you. It's to our demise. But you can't let that stop you. What did Jesus tell his disciples that were apostles? If they reject you, if they don't want what you are bringing, shake the dust off your feet. Go to the next one and woe unto them that's going to be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than it's going to be for them. So they don't have to accept what you're saying. But you still got to say it. Same thing he said to Ezekiel in chapter 3. He said, if I tell you to warn them, and you don't warn them, and they die and they sin, well, then woe to you, because their blood's on your hand. But if you warn them and they still don't receive it, you've saved yourself. Woe to them, but you've saved yourself. You still have to tell it, Old Testament and New Testament. So, ain't no need of us going, well, they don't want to receive it from me. You still got to say it. 
Because if you don't, God gonna raise up another one who's gonna say it. He's looking for obedience. That's what he's looking for. Now, he don't want your opinion. He don't want your mind. He don't want your theory or your plan to the problem because it ain't gonna work. He didn't ask you to add a piece of fish to the Long John Silver Mill. He didn't ask you. He's not asking for our input. He said, you go tell. Okay, when the report came back to him that Herod said da-da-da-da-da to him, what did Jesus reply and say? You go tell that fox that I said. What do you think he's doing now? When people are crying out to God, God have mercy, God, we need favor, God, we need this door open. Okay, what's he do? He tells that prophet, go tell my people I said. Because they can't hear him because they're too busy making noise crying. At some point, you got to stop crying and listen. If you ask him, okay, dry up the well. Dry it up. Now sit there and wait for the answer. We don't want to because we're too desperate. God help us. Hallelujah. You know what, Prophetess, I was, that has just, I'm hearing you, but that just, God, it has intrigued me. Um, this chapter 13 in Acts, but I'm hearing you, but I'm just scanning through it, and I'm just like, oh my God, because when the prophets went out, they went all out all the way into chapter 14, up until verse 19 when they went back. Well, they went further than that because in 16, uh, Silas was with Paul when he, the woman with the divination spirit, approached them. That was in chapter 16, verse 25. So, I was just seeing this where it said, then they returned to Antioch. So they probably, I feel like they got went, got refreshed. You always got to come back and be poured into. Because once you pour it out, you're empty. You're, eat, you're vulnerable for the attack of the enemy. So that's why people have to keep coming to the house. Oh, I ain't got to go to church every Sunday. Yes, you do. Because once you pour it out, you ain't got nothing to ride on. What's going to sustain you? Okay, when the drought came. Elijah was at the brook. God had the raven, ravenous bird. bird. Ravens don't share food with nobody. But he used the raven to bring him meat and bread twice a day. And he drunk from the water of the brook until it dried up. God supernaturally sustained him there. And a lot of times, you look over your life, a lot of uh, your training, a lot of your suffering that you went through, you lost jobs, you lost positions, you lost pay, you lost friends, you lost loved ones, you lost homes, you lost cars, and how am I going to get to work? My car is gone. Okay, how am I supposed to? Okay, God had to provide another way for you to get there. Either somebody blessed you and you carpool, or either you had to catch a bus. Now, what if you live somewhere buses don't run? Now they got Uber. So thank you, God, for lifting Uber where God made another way for you to get where you need to go. Or you use your, lose your pay. You're living off of one income if you're married. Okay, you had two incomes because one income was not enough. Okay, now, God, what am I going to do? This is not enough. But he supernaturally stretches that thing where it becomes enough. And you know nobody but Jesus did that. How many times can we tell our testimony but Jesus? If Jesus hadn't been on my side, where would I be at? Because he got me out of that mess that I was in. He kept me from getting evicted. And sometimes he lets you get evicted so you can get a better one. 
and we're complaining and crying. Oh, I can't evict it. That's embarrassing. But he got something better right there. If you just hold on. You have to hold on. Supernaturally, he takes care of his prophets. This is all training and transitioning from ministry to office. I have lived it, so I do. And no. I am and then, Right, and then where you are right now. He sustains you right there. But if you get in your flesh, you're going to find fault in that. You ain't going to give God the credit that is due his name because he's really the one taking care of you. You're not taking care of yourself. He's doing it. Okay, so when you get to the brook cherub, you realize that, oh, wow, God did that just for me. Makes you feel some kind of way. Hallelujah, glory to God. He did that just for me. And it's like, God, I got to praise you. And then you start singing that song. I've been through too much not to worship him. I've been through too much not to worship him. That song becomes real to you. I know it does to me. And then you start singing the song. You supply the fire. I'll become the sacrifice. You know how that song goes. People don't understand I, that I, is I, those I feel words. the presence of the Lord. They're yes. real. They're real. Yes. Who Jesus? And even Thank you, even with even with mine, it's like what I share with you from God told me I could have fixed that, but I did. But I didn't because of where I'm taking you. Where I even with me looking for apartments, three, shut the door in my face. And God's like, be still, right where I got you at. I got, and, I'm re, and I'm understanding that now. You know, yeah, maybe I am staying with my daughter, but God said, be still, be still. Just Let me do what I'm Let doing. Let me do what I'm doing. Because I'm working something out for you on this side. But be still. And when it comes forth, you'll know. But I need you to be still. Still smile, still embrace me. But be still. But the flesh side of me wants to say, oh, Lord God, I'm staying with my daughter. How embarrassing is this? I want some privacy. Blah, blah, blah. But the Spirit of the Lord said, did I not tell you? to be still mm-hmm. and I'm like at this point now I ain't getting whooped no more mm-hmm. I'm just going to sit here I'm going to be still if a cobweb just go wipe and just be still and mark time like you because it's so awesome the, the words that you have spoken to me lately I see them mm-hmm. and I saw the other night when I was just sitting on the couch I'm just sitting there in the chair, TV wasn't on. I was just sitting there, and all of a sudden, I just heard cadences. I'm like, you heard what? Cadences. Okay, cadence. cadence. Because I was, I was a drill sergeant, so you have a cadence when you march it. Your left, your right, your left. And I heard cadences. I'm thinking, oh my God. Mark time until you change Mm-hmm. And I heard it, and I couldn't do nothing yes, sit there God. and start praying. God, okay, I got you. Yes, I got God. Yes, God. God. Yes, God. God, I got you. That is even happening on my job where he has me where <laughs> Miss Linda, Miss Linda, but now, this last week I've been in my corner. Mm-hmm. 
and they be coming to me. And 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 I'm not saying, you know, when we talked the other day, everything that you said to me, I receive it because I know the Lord said she is not going to tell you anything that's going to hurt you. It's going to help you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I realize you can help people out of the hurt and the pain that yes. you went through. Yes. Because you don't want them to go through the same thing yes. that you went through. So I'm like, okay, God, I'm chilling. I'm right here. Okay, well, Lord, I hope I get out of here before someone roll in. But until then, I'm here. You'll be there until he moves you. Until that brook dries up, you're going to be there until your next phase comes in because it brings us to the next paragraph that says, those doors closed had a purpose. At the end of that season, though, you did not care what the purpose was any longer. You lost the world and gained Christ. As you allowed him to lead you into the quiet, you finally became content with your place. Because once you step into office, everything changes. I'm serious. All the me, 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 what about me, 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 all of it's gone. Because you know it's no longer you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because God needs you people focused, not me focused. Because when he wakes you up at 12 midnight and seems like you just laid down, and he starts dropping all these bombs in your thoughts, you can lay there like I be doing all you want until he allows something to make you get up out of that bed. And I'm not saying shooting or gunfire, but sometimes he'll use that too. But I start sneezing my head off for no reason, and I got to get him blow my nose. Okay, since I'm up, well, you should have got up when I asked you to get up. Or you also got to use the bathroom back to back, back to back, back. No, get up. Are you sitting up here wide awake staring at the ceiling, counting the tiles on the ceiling? Why can't I go back? You know I'm waking you up. God will even go to the measure of your phone ringing and ain't nobody on the other end of the phone. And you're going, who's calling me 2 o'clock in the morning? I need you to walk with me. What do you mean walk with you? So I would get out of the bed. He said, I meant not literally, spiritually walk with me. I began to learn some stuff. And it caused something to wake up in me. Okay, there's purpose to this. You know what, when I got up to go to work the next day, I wasn't tired, I wasn't sleepy, or I wasn't irritable and cranky, or none of that stuff, but God has purpose when he does these things. Okay, yes. My son, he will wake up, and I used to be like, well, my daughter, when she was born, she slept, and they had no issues with her sleeping, but my son, never sleep but it was so funny I started he started allowing me to realize I would wake up before he would wake up mm-hmm. but I wouldn't get up I wouldn't get enough praying I would and then I said I know he'll wake up and I'm like why in the world is this boy up all the time and it was a um and I would post little things sometimes on Facebook and so um a lady in my church one day she said God is using your son uh-huh. to get you up. And I was like, back on it. Okay, all right. 
And uh, God, he'll still do that now. Like, if I, because he don't want you to slip backwards, because we'll backslide like that. He don't want us going backwards. He's now, and he'll still... He'll still do that from time to time. And I know I'm like, okay, Lord. I'm but to our shame, it shouldn't take that. It shouldn't. But God knows us. He knows us. But the thing is, it has purpose. Okay, now we're leaving the brook Kareth. We're going, entering into Zarephath, which is a whole nother phase and a whole nother place. In this first transition from Kareth to Zarephath, you were still not ready. There was so much more that God needed to do with you just as you came to peace with being the outcast and going to Jesus alone. The stripping truly began. Once you get to Zarephath, he starts stripping you of everything. So these three places tell you where you are. So when you look at what's taking place in a prophet's life in these three places, you know how close you are to office, okay? Um, hurts from the past, your flesh, and your bitterness started being triggered from every side. It seemed like everything was triggering you. It was making you either cry or making you explode in anger. The church, family, workplace, and friendships, it did not seem to matter which way you turned because each time you did, a rejection was waiting to sideswipe you. It took you a while to get it. It took you a while to realize that it was not what everyone was doing to you that even like I really wanted to be there but God kept telling me you're not going anywhere else <laughs> so when I was reading this about my gifts of the spirit were drying up and stripping I'm sitting about in tears because now it's making yes, sense it makes sense even when she was there I was looking at her like hmm. you know I, I the one gift I knew I had was I had a gift of prophecy and I knew in my infinite mind, I would say, it stirs up when God stirs it up. And that's how I looked at it, you know. But even in the beginning of this course, I fought it then. I was like, she was, I was like, I have a gift for prophecy, you know, and I would fight it, fight it, fight it, fight it. And the guys take me through this, and I'm still fighting it. And I'm still fighting it. It has not been till last year that we had our, that I finally said, okay, God, that's ready. We talk about years, like 10 years of me just fighting and knowing, going through issues and ups and downs and heartbreaks. But it kept me. But it hasn't been until now. Now the training came with lost this, lost that, lost it. Before I wasn't losing nothing. And that's why it was, it was hard for you to receive what was God, because it wasn't really touching you or impacting you. And when it starts and you start hearing and seeing it happen, it gets your attention. He got my attention. Yes. He's like, I, and I never get the actual night. He said, I've called you. Don't you understand? I laid my hands on you 
What do I have to do to you to show you what I want you to do? And I laid in the bed that night and I cried myself to sleep. And when I woke up, I had my eyes was like all puffy. And, I, and all I remember saying is, God, I surrender. I, I, I'm sorry. If this is what you want me to do, this is. But it was all like, God's like, it's not what I want you to do. It's your call. Mm -hmm. I mean, and a call is a call. But some calls are different from other calls. It just so happens the fivefold ascension gifts, the, the ministry gifts, the call different from just a call to preach or a call to teach or a call to exhort or to operate in prophecy. All of that's different from actual the office or the function of the calls. And so uh, there's a process that we go through and if you're gonna be successful in any of it, you have to go through that specific process that he established for that specific call. Okay, again, it's talking about the stripping was intense, but it did not leave you naked. God stripped you of stuff, but he didn't just leave you exposed to the enemy. You felt exposed, but he didn't leave you exposed because he still covered us. In fact, he began to arm you with both knowledge and wisdom, mm -hmm. enough knowledge and wisdom to engage in spiritual warfare. Once you realized that more often than not, you were you were your own worst enemy, and I came to that conclusion, the Holy Spirit began to teach you something else. Once we get out of God's way, he can teach you something. As long as we are not teachable, pride, rebellion, I'm sorry, complaining, murmuring all the time in your flesh more than you are not. He can't teach you anything. So once we acknowledge, God, I can't do this, I get out of the way, I surrender, he can teach you something else. You discovered how much the enemy has been using your own failure and sin as a weapon against you. You learned that you were set free by the cross and that you no longer had to take it. Just as your confidence began to grow, that was around the time you mistook the voice of the enemy for the Lord and ended up with a mouth full of mud as you fell flat on your face once again. A prophet in training falls again and again and again. And every time that prophet gets up, it gets a little wiser. Wait a minute, this is not working. Lord, I repent. Whatever I'm doing wrong, show me the error of my way. I repent, God. I renounce sinning against you because what's sin for you may not be sin for a regular Christian. A lay person is not as accountable to anything as those who are called to, to office or called to any part of ministry. The Bible says much given, much required. So the more he calls you to, the more is required of you. Well, so-and-so ain't doing that. I don't see nobody getting on that person. They're not called to where you're called to. It's different. Okay, now we're going to Carmel. Carmel was next. Your Achilles heel. Okay, this is the turning point for you. It was one thing to succeed, but how did you handle failure? What was the one thing that the Holy Spirit tried to have you deal with again and again? Because every time you say, oh, I thought I was over this, only to find out it's still there. Just because we mask it don't mean it's gone. What, it, what is your rebellion? 
What is your stubbornness? Was it an inability to submit or take correction from others? Perhaps your Achilles heel was that you never followed through with anything in your life. The final test came and this weakness was displayed before you in technicolor surround sound. There was no avoiding it. The final battleground of your final test was not what you expected, and in that moment, you warred within yourself. Should I choose the spirit or should I choose the flesh? Should I defend myself or should I remain silent as Jesus remains silent and facing judgment from man? One of the problems we have when we're, especially when we're in, before we get to that final test, we always find ourselves defending ourselves. Can't shut up. Can't shut up. Can't shut up. Gotta, you gotta stand up. Cause if I don't stand up for me, ain't nobody else gonna stand up for me. And oh, they were wrong. They should. I need to put them in their place. Oh, you wrong. You were false accusing. Uh, my whole, my line was, I don't like to be falsely accused. I don't. If you ain't got your facts right, don't get in my face saying nothing. Don't be saying it behind my back. I don't like to be falsely accused. What did the Lord allow the enemy to do? Send everybody that falsely accused me for everything. And I would get mad. I'd be crying. I'd be so mad. I would go to church when nobody was there, and I would throw a tantrum on the floor. I would scream to the top of my lungs. I'd be kicking. I'm serious, baby. I'd be tumbling on the floor, throwing my tantrum, because I knew wasn't nobody there but me and God. Because that's how I felt. I felt like, that's so unfair. What did I do to them? Not realizing I'm in training. I had to learn the hard way. I ain't had nobody tell me this stuff. See, I recognize what others are going through it now. I did not recognize what was going on with me. And I would sit there and I would just shut down on God. That was my answer. That's how I handled it. Okay, it's going to be like that. I ain't going to do nothing. I pulled myself off the pulpit. I wouldn't go back up there no more. She's a witness. Elder Hill kept her eye. I said, nope, I ain't going back up there. I used my granddaughter as an excuse not to go up there. I sat with her so everybody would leave her alone. And I would not do nothing. I stopped working on the altar. I took a, I, uh, uh, a vacation. And I never went back until I got here. And it's like, nope, they want to act like that. They can do what they sell. I want on protest. I wasn't doing it. And I knew I was paying the price. And I kept hearing the spirits in your vacations up. I would not move. I said it was for somebody else. I And I thank God for his mercy. Honestly, I do. Because God could have just said, okay, you won't be like that. I'm done with you. But he didn't do that. He was very long-suffering with me. And because he knew why I felt the way I felt. I was doing an Elijah syndrome. Okay, God, take my life. I'm the only one that's right. Everybody else is wrong. No, you're wrong. Repent. Because I wasn't the only one. It's just I was looking through the eyes of my hurt feelings. I was looking through the eyes of uh, why me, God? Why me? I ain't done nothing to nobody. I was looking through the eyes of this is not fair. I said it a lot. God, this is not fair. And when I was going through that final, he said, God, this is not fair. He said, did I say it was going to be fair? No, but it's still not fair. I always had an argument, a rebuttal, and it was like I was frustrated. God knew I was frustrated. I wasn't ready to quit, but I wasn't ready to move either. And it was hard. And he wouldn't let nobody pour into me. He wouldn't let nobody visit me. And the ones that I did invite to visit me, 
broke out in a fight in my living room. And I'm going, first time in my house since I've been married, you gonna come in here and fight? Why are you releasing all these demons up in my house? I said, oh, the Lord Jesus rebuke you. I, I know that's right. Door. I said, get out. They, I mean, they were so mad. Mother was a witness because she was sitting there. We had I wasn't just, there. No, no but we I had just left the council. We came to my place for lunch because I was around the corner. And the two of them was in it so thick, they lunched up off the couch like they were going to start duking it out. And I went, no, you did not do that in my living room. Look, me and my husband fight enough in here. I don't right. you fight in here. I never invited nobody back in there, honestly. But it, it was going on during the time I was in my final exam. And I'm going, really, God, really? Is that what you think of me? Really? It's, it was like, when you're going through stuff, you don't really understand why it's happening until the light bulb comes on. Okay? All this Is that takes, what I was going through? That's, and you're still going through. You ain't done yet. Is that what I was going through when the candy got yes, thrown? Yes, yes, And I stood yes, there and I didn't yes, know what yes, to do. Yes, ma'am. And the thing is, the unfair things that were said, it, it's like it don't even, and you're doing it in the house of God. It's like, and I didn't know what to do. I just stood there. I did. Yeah, because stuff was said about her from the time she walked through the door. And me and my husband said, that's inappropriate. Why would you say that? Especially in front of all of us. I need your place to do that. And it's like, one time, I, I, when she walked out of the room, I told the other, you wrong, repent. Shut your mouth. And yes, she's my senior, but she was wrong. And I said, you're wrong. Don't do that. God sees that. And my husband added a piece, and he said something to her. But the thing it is, it should not have happened in the house of God. It shouldn't have happened, period. But it's part of her training. We have to learn how to respond through the word of God instead of reacting. And so God is good. It came with purpose. And we understand what that purpose is. Okay, so this is what happens when you're in at Carmel. You're in the final exam. So hopefully today you know exactly where you are. Are you at the brook where God is supernaturally providing for you? Or are you at Zarephath where he's stripping you? Or are you at Carmel? You got to go through all three phases before you get into office. Does anybody see where they're at? Can we be on the fence? <laughs> no, there is no fence. And you might not even be at the final battleground yet. You might be still at Zarephath. And that's okay because you ain't, I ain't ready to release you in office yet. It may, you may transition quickly and you may transition a little slow. Only you know where you're at. I can be honest to say, you know, I probably zero fat because I do every now and then bitterness He's and still anger still rears up in me. And, and then once it rears, I don't really let it come, but it's the fact that it's raring. And, and it's I, still in here. And it's right here. And then I find myself, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to think That's that. That's it. I'm, I'm, please forgive me. I didn't mean to think that. That's where I see you at, too. Mm -hmm. I didn't mean to think it, but it's the fact that I thought it. Now I'm saying, God, please forgive me for thinking that. As long as you repent quick, because you are in training. So it's, and that, he, he stirs it up. You know, just like they, draw, they purify silver and gold. And God turns the heat up. And it pulls the dross up to the top. That ugliness you thought you dealt with and turned over to the Holy Ghost, 
it comes bubbling back. It's like, oh, why did I do that? Why did I react? And you go home feeling like a whoop puppy. And you're repenting all day long, all night long. And you get up and you're still repenting. Okay? Everything is sensitive to you because you're noticing every, oh, God, I didn't know I was still like that. I didn't know I was still struggling in that area. That means he's still stripping you. And until the draw stops, I'm sorry you ain't ready to go in the office yet because he will not have a profit in office because once you're in it, your authority is greater and you're going to operate from that stuff that's still in you, in your authority because once you speak as a profit in office, you can't take it back. It's going to accomplish what you sent it forth to do. That step into office is very, 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 very crucial. And you have to be ready. And I refuse to put my hand on anybody and release anybody that's not ready for that to come back on me. Colette said in her books over and over again that when she first started, she was releasing people left and right, and they weren't ready only to get humiliated and chastened by God because she did it out of her own wit versus God said they're ready. Because I promise you, I will know when you're ready. That's why I watch you. That's why you're separated from everybody else because what we're talking about, you need to identify where you're at. Because you'll know when you're ready. Because I remember I was sitting in your house in that rocking chair in the window, and I kept saying, God, I know nobody sees me. I said, I've been going through this for so long. Am I even ready to go in the office? When am I going into I would always ask God that. And God most of the time would tell me, you're not ready yet. I had to get over my little feeling sorry for myself moment. And then I went on. But then finally, one morning, I was sitting in that rocking chair, and the Lord said, I'm ready to release you. I'm releasing you in spirit, but you still need to be released in front of me. And I, he said, you're my prophet. And I remember that was the same, that was 2016. The next year, 2017 in November, that's when God released me in front of you. It's always according to his timing. You ain't going no faster than he's ready for you to go. But it's going to happen if that's your destination. Unless you give up in the middle of the race, and some of them have, and said, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. But then they're bitter, and they're rebellious, and they become renegades. Yeah, they're going to bless some people. They're going to face some stuff right, but then they don't have the authority for what they're trying to do. That's the reason Pastor Lewis is coming back, starting next class, because she didn't realize, I talked to her, she has realized that what she's trying to do for God, she's not equipped to do it because she doesn't have the authority to do it. There is no such thing, as I said earlier, as graduating. I'm sorry, it's just there's phases that we go through, and it's time for you to decide if you want to push to get to the next phase. Now. God's intent is for you to get all the way to office. But he knows everybody ain't going to make it. So some of them are not office material. So really, it's up to you. It's just you got to go through the suffering. You have to go through the process. Amen? I think there was a reason why I practiced why I didn't go forward with the council. And it wasn't that uh, even though they had nominated me, no, I did not win. But at the same time, I went on and did my four years, mm -hmm. and I stepped down. 
and it was like I was sitting there on, on the pulpit, and I kept hearing God say, I kept saying, I kept saying to God, God, I don't want this. I think I've, I've given four years to this. There's something else. And so when I didn't win, it was like, oh, I'm glad. Not a, oh, it was like, when I got in the car and left, I was like, thank you, God. I'm, I'm glad. And it was like, each, I didn't realize each little thing that God lets me touch and that it's part of the training. It's part of the training. That's what it is. And the thing it is, and where it stands right now, as even a prophet and author, you still are going to be, you can't say that here. We don't believe that. As we're hearing their stance on where they feel this is, I was surprised even when uh, Saturday at the seminar, sitting in the mother church in front of all these apostolic people, I'm listening to what's being said, and then I'm acknowledged as I teach and train prophetic. Yes. That I was shocked. Listen, if I could have done it, I would have done it because I, I was not expecting my pastor to say that in front of all these apostolic people. He did. He did. My gift is going to make room for me. But you can't, you can't, how should I say it? Because of their stance and their beliefs and where they are, you can't go in there and be free so you be used in that call. So if you take office for another four years, I'm quite sure you'll be in office before that four years is up. Okay, you got can't use you in there because the ones who try to do it and they're not even in office get shut down just like that. And they go over in front of everybody. And this is one of the leaders in the pulpit that did it. And they said, Why did you spare him? See, I have a problem with that. That's why I've stepped back. I don't even support no more. I went Saturday to support my bishop who's teaching a seminar. Other than that, they don't see my face and they look at me like, where you been at? Don't worry about it. If God want me here, I'll be here, but he doesn't want to use me here right now. I recognize that, so I ain't going to force it. And I refuse to go in there and sit on my gift. So if you're not going to let me use it, you do understand that if they don't receive you as a prophet, you're not a prophet to them. Even if you're in office, if they don't receive you as one, you're not a prophet to, to them. So why are you going to sit there and cast your pearls before swine? So unless you know point blank God is saying stand up and say this, you already know you're not going to be heard. We have to understand the timing of God. There's timing for everything. And so when God deals with them, then they'll be ready. I don't mean to point my finger. I know. That's not, I'm not. Don't, it's just it's a habit you have. Body language. But you know what? But you know that is true because the counsel that we had before, we had a young man who spoke. And when he had, when he had finished, you know, we were done, you know, it just came. Mm -hmm. But it was like to him. It was to him. And what God has for him was to him. Unbeknownst to me that there was somebody who heard me and didn't know. And when I hugged him and turned to walk to walked away, that person said, speak, prophet. And I was like, to God be the glory, you know. And it and it wasn't like it was all like, it was just like we're talking right here, but did not know. And this same person 
which happens to be the president at the same time, has said it more than once. You know you're prophetic. And I just I mean it ain't like you want somebody to confirm it. You already know it. I just but they need to recognize it. And I remember the last time I spoke for the missionaries for the council, if we were at Christ Church. I haven't been asked since, and I think that was in 2017, and um, might have been 2016, but I think it was 17. And um, I was given a certain uh, topic and a certain scripture to come from. Well, I, I hope y'all all know now, that's not God's agenda, and you have to speak what God gives you. So although I was going to go here and speak that, when I got up there, that's not what came out of my mouth. Now, what came out of my mouth, I said what I said, and some received it, some didn't. The older saints caught what God was saying, and they all stood up acknowledging that they, they received what God said. Some of the younger ones didn't get up. So afterwards, I got a lot of the older saints come up to me and said, uh, that needed to be said. Somebody had to say that. I'm so glad you said that. I didn't say it to scold nobody. It's just that's what came out of my mouth. And I had to be obedient. And then when I sat down, one of the well-known evangelists, uh, Evangelist Ann Burton, she spoke first. When I sat down, she said, I know God called you to say that because it took guts to stand up there and say what you said, prophet. That's exactly what she said. And so in the next portion, uh, the vice president stood up and said, uh, we need everybody to stick to the programs or whatever scripture you've been given. You need to speak from your scripture. And I knew that was throwing a shoe at me. I knew it was. But I would rather obey God than man. I'm sorry. I done said what I had to say. They haven't asked me to speak again. It's okay. I said what God told me to say. And so um, the next council, which was the next quarter, when I saw the person, Matter of fact, no, it was the same council. No, we were at Christ's temple this time, so it was the next council. The same person that was sitting next to me walks up the steps. She just looks at me. She said, she hugged me. She said, prophet, keep letting God use you. And she walked off. There are people that know when God is speaking because they know you in your right mind and not going to stand up there and say that, especially in the circle that you're in. But I had no qualms about me. I said what I said, and I wasn't taking it back. And whoever received it, received it, and whoever didn't, didn't. That's how I look at it. You don't ask me back, fine, I'm going to speak somewhere else. I get to speak here every two, two weeks. So it's not going to be no skin off my back. But the thing it is, your gift makes room for you. And when God wants to say something, if you be willing and obedient, God going to use you whether they receive it or not. And so... When you find where you are in any of these three places, we're down to it says that the final battleground of your final test was not what you expected, and in that moment you warred within yourself. Should I choose the spirit or should I walk, choose the flesh? Should I defend myself or should I remain silent as Jesus remained silent when facing judgment from man? What you might not have realized is that in that moment, 
you made a decision that would forever change your life and lead you down a road that has led you to this very point. It is not just the fact that you face a test that you qualify for prophetic office. It is rather the nature of the test that brings you to the point of readiness for the chapters that follow. Making the transition, you see that test you face did more than prove to the Lord that you qualify for the final round. There's always going to be a final round. You have to be proven by the Lord. Man don't have to prove you, but the Lord Jesus has to prove that you're ready for the transition. A key principle is it has proven to you that your calling does not depend on your ability to excel. Your calling depends on your ability to surrender. This is key. If you cannot surrender to the hand of God, you're not ready to go forward. Because God don't want you taking all that junk with you. Amen? Okay, when given a choice to do things God's way or your way, you choose God's way. When chosen to respond in the flesh or the spirit, you surrender to the spirit amidst much travail. When given the choice to run away or to keep facing the cross, you face the cross. When given the choice to justify yourself or to take the blow, you offer the other cheek. I heard somebody say, we were talking the other day, I don't remember who I was talking to, said, we don't have to turn the cheek no more. I'm saying, when did they take that out of the Bible? We still have to turn the other cheek. This is somebody who is ready to weld the prophetic key, which is what I'm getting ready to shift to as long as I read these last two paragraphs. Now, perhaps you have wondered why the test you have faced up to this point has been so intense. The Lord knows your heart. He knows that you will do anything for him and that you love him with all your soul. So why this intensity? Why does the Lord find it so necessary to press his point so strongly? Why the trip down deception lane? Well, there is nothing quite as humbling as falling into deception as a prophet to remind you that you are not here by choice of your own will. You see, you need to know that you need to realize as you stand ready today that you do not stand here by your own will. You did not call yourself. You did not arm yourself. You did not train yourself. Your flesh did not perfect the spirit. When you're ready for office, you stand here today by the grace and power of God. Your ability will always have limitations, but his his continue with expansion of the universe. His power is immeasurable. If you lean on yourself for just a moment, you will find yourself lacking. If for just a moment you think that your office was achieved because of your own tenacity or personality power, it will not take much for the devil to convince you that you made it all up. However, when you come to a conviction of realizing that you did nothing to merit this call, but to simply be chosen of God, you can trust him to finish what he started as well. When God picks you up and uses you, when you know very well that you just failed, it blows your mind. All along, you thought that if you could just remain holy, that he would use you more. 
yet he decides to use you in your greatest moments of weakness. Now that is God. That is a calling. When all is said and done, you do, do you finally realize why you stand ready for the next step of your calling? Be, it is because of this, 1 Corinthians 1.27. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus who become, came for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that as it is written he who glories let him glory in the Lord God leaves nothing for us to glory up okay I put here on the board the key that she was talking about that's delegated authority that's what that key is only prophets get that key none of the other uh, fivefold ascension gifts get that key only a prophet and Jesus is the only one that can give you the key now everybody has a sphere of authority even when you're just operating in prophetic ministry but when you step into office you get a greater level of authority Jesus gives it to you and it comes in the form of a gold key it's an odd shaped key I know he let me see the key. I don't know if everybody gets to see that key or not. But he gave me my key in 2011. And I was in prayer. And he gave it to me. It was wrapped around. I had a blue ribbon on it. And it was an odd-shaped gold key. It wasn't a bling-bling key. It was one of those dull gold-looking keys. And it was odd. And he told me, he said, the devil wants to steal this from you. Do not lose this key. Don't let him have this key. I remember putting it around my neck. And every now and then, I make sure it's still right there because the devil wants to take the key away from you. And if you stay in your flesh, that key won't work. Transition is a change from one position to another. So you're about to transition from just ordinary ministry, basic ministry, to a greater degree of authority. Challenge, difficulty in a situation, it expresses things in us, it exposes is the word I got up there. When God challenges you with things that come up against you and oppose you, it's to expose those things that are in you that you don't realize is still there. He does that a lot in training. That's why you officially get released into training. So when you're going through the stuff, you understand this is why I'm going through because I am being trained. Stripped. Items removed. The unusable parts. Those things that will get in your way and cause you to trip up. Those things that will cause you to stay in your flesh and mess up. Those things that are ugly in you that you don't know that is still there. He strips you of it. And that's what you're going through. And Zarephath, you're being stripped of all those unusable things. Now, you know what the threshing floor is, correct? And how they take the winnowing fork and they throw the wheat up that's still in its shell. And when it comes back down, it cracks the shell that 
that surrounds the weed. And when they throw it up again, the wind blows the cracked shell part away and only the seed remains. Okay, that's what happens when you're being stripped. He takes that winnowing fork and he tosses you up and down, up and down. And once it cracks, <laughs> all that's left is that broken you got I'm so sorry you realize how frail and vulnerable you really are you realize how messed up you are God I ain't even worthy even to lift my finger to do anything in your kingdom but God you see fit to let me do it anyway God I am so sorry for being messed up that's what the winnowing process does that's what Juanita Bynum called the threshing floor and that threshing floor does its job Back then, a lot of times they would have an oxen, and it would be harnessed to a wheel, a great big stone wheel, and they would throw the wheat down, and as that oxen would walk, it would crush, that stone would crush the shells on the wheat, so when they would take the winnowing fork, it was easy for the wind to blow the shell away, the unusable parts. You can look at it either way. Either way, God is doing it. He's doing a great work in you. You don't like the way it feels because it's uncomfortable. You want it to stop. You want God to let go of you, but his hand presses even heavier upon you because you realize the kabod of God, the glory of God is heavy. And when the glory of God is on you, it presses you down where you can't get up. And you be trying to force yourself up, but the weight of his glory presses you down where you cannot get up. And it's the glory of the Lord that you're trying to get in. Instead of running away from it, you want to get in it. But that's why it's called pressing into his presence. When you press into his presence, by the time you finally get there, you feel like, oh, God, I'm here. Thank you. God, I'm thirsty. God, quench this thirsty soul of mine because I've exhausted all my strength trying to get here. God, I need you to refresh me. God, fill me up all over again because I'm empty. I can't go another step. Unless you do something, God, I can't get up off the floor. And you just press. And once you get there, you just bask in the presence of God. You don't want to leave. He got the boshanda. You don't want to leave. You say, God, do I have to leave here? You know you got things you got to do. You got to deal with your kids. You got to feed your spouse. You got to take care of your day-to-day -day stuff. God, I don't want to leave. God, don't make me leave. But you got to get up and you got to leave. That's why. Oh, glory to God. That's why we got to press. It becomes a press. And everything that's in you. You muster up enough strength. God, if I have to crawl in there, however I have to get in there, God, I'm gonna, I'm getting in your presence. We need his presence more than we need his hand of provision. The church got it backwards. The church thinks, God, I need, I need, I need. Gimme, give gimme, give gimme, give God. God, I need you to do this. God, I need this. God, I need this. I want this, God. No, what you need is more of him. Yes. His presence is what we need. And if the saints would come in here with the mindset, I'm bringing the presence of God in here, they see a difference in their Sunday morning worship service. Yes. And when it's time for dismissal, you wouldn't be able to get them out of here. Because the glory of God would be so thick up in here, nobody wants to leave. There was a time God's love was like that, I remember. And after the service is dismissed and nobody would leave the sanctuary, we couldn't get up off the floor. We couldn't stop weeping because the presence of God was in there and nobody wanted to leave his presence. Where, where is it at now? I mean, they'd be racing to see who could get to the parking lot fastest. It should not be like that. But because we're becoming 
becoming, we're becoming lazy. We're becoming, I don't need you so much, God. I just need you to fill my gimme list. We're not expecting him to be here when we get here, so we're not looking for him. That hunger and that thirst comes from before you get here. That fire should be with you when you leave your house. We need to bring his presence back. Prophets can, can do that. They have the authority to bring the presence back because the people need a refreshing. The people need to be revived. Revival's not for lost people. Churches be doing three days revival hoping to get more people in. That's not what that's for. It's for the people of God. We need the floodgates to open and the heavens to pour down the rain of his presence upon us so that when we leave, everything that was out of order, out of sync, will be fixed as we walk out that door. And when we come back, we're looking for more of the same thing. Yeah, you'll be glad to bring somebody lost in here because you know they're not going to stay the same. But why bring new people in here and ain't nothing happening here? You don't feel nothing yourself. This needs to change. Okay, and as he's removing unusable parts, he's equipping us at the same time which is providing whatever it is that we need for the task. The task is not easy. It sounds good. <laughs> oh, I can do that. Oh, until you have to do it. Satan don't want you doing that, so he's going to war against you. You need to be equipped for the war. When I was talking to my sister yesterday, and the place that she is, she said she's on assignment. Okay, it's greater than what she anticipated. So everything that she has stored up from the classes she did take done exhausted. There's nothing left. She's empty. And it's like she goes in every Sunday, every whatever Bible study night is, to fight. And that's what she's doing is fighting her, scratching and pulling at her. But she don't have the strength to equip them with what they need. I said, because you weren't done here. You need to come back. We should be not so quick to stop learning about God because God is bigger than what we say he is. There's too much we don't know yet. Some of we ain't going to know until we get in glory. So to think, I'm ready. No, you're not ready. But when you get there, you find out, I wasn't ready. But then we get prideful and caught up in the flesh and don't want to come back and say, I left too soon. I need more. Thank the Lord that she spoke it to Linda. I, and I called her, and she realized I messed up. I need to come back. I said, come back. I ain't going to charge you. You need to come back because you weren't done. I said, back. Huh? Yeah, sure did. There's several. Marilyn Culpepper came back. Sister Marion came back. The Jacksons came back. We think we don't need it until we get in a battle that overwhelms us, and then we realize, dang, I didn't feel like that when I was in that class because some being poured into you is better than none. God is greater than what we pick, uh, project him to be. And so as you walk in delegated authority, you need to know something about delegated authority. That's where I came in. I, I was crying out to the Lord. I told my husband, I was like, I said, I said there's something I need that I'm not able to get. And, you know, nothing against my pastor, my church, or nothing, but I knew. And I said, uh, and, you know, my husband, he was like, babe, you know, 
already a prophet. You know that. You know God has done it. I said, babe, I know that. That's not that. I said, but you have to be in the company of other prophets. Yes, you do. We feed each other. We draw from each other. Yes. We push each other. We learn. We continue to grow. And I was like, there's something more I need. I said, I need to be in a company of prophets. I need to be in the company we of prophets because I know I understand my job. I understand the assignment in this season that I that God has given me for my church. So I understand that. Mm-hmm. I pray for So what I need, I have to go somewhere else and get to it. get what I need mm-hmm. so I can continue to do the assignment that he has given me. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, Lord, okay, I don't know where. I was like, Lord, somewhere you have got to please give me something. I'm like, Lord, I'm not saying you can't give it to me. And, you know, I'm like, I know there's some place I need to be to continue to get strength and and grow. And just one day, just the Spirit of God just reminded me of Justin taking his class. And I was like, wonder if they're still having classes Mm -hmm. and I asked him about it and he was like oh yeah we still have a class and I was like I said you think she'll let me just come and just sit I was like I've never been in class but I remember when he had all night prayer Mm -hmm. and yes and I was there and I I just I thought you looked familiar yes ma'am I was there and I just loved the presence and spirit of God I was like yeah. We need to do that again. Yes. And so when he told me, and I, you know, and I came and he said, you let me come and sit. And I was like, okay, Lord. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad Amen. to be amongst, you know, uh, other prophets to, to continue to learn and continue mm-hmm. to grow. And to, you know, so that I can continue to, on this journey. Mm-hmm. And you're right. We have to. You know, we're always going to be forever learning exactly. and forever growing. And even when I, you know, told my pastor about the class, it kind of shocked him. And so I talked to him, and I was like, well, do you not want me to go? He's like, no. He's like, no, I was just surprised you never, like, said anything. Because I don't. I just, I don't and really so know what that, that is. did talk to him. Thank you for doing that. Oh, absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And he... Because your pastor knows me. Yes, he does. He does. Yes. And he, and, and he, he told knows me. us at the church. Yes. And, I, and uh, so when I saw his face, that I ta- called him, and I was like, no, I texted him. I was like, can you, you got a minute? Call me. And uh, and so when I asked him, and he was like, oh, no, it wasn't nothing about the character or anything. He said, just you saying you were going, it kind of threw, threw me off. He said, because I didn't know you. I said, well, yeah. He was like, now, he wanted to know my reason for going. And I said, no. I said, I already know that I've been called a prophet of God. You've already acknowledged that. You've already, I said, so I'm not going to be acknowledged. I know who I am. I said, I'm going just to continue educating myself and continue growing and continuing to be amongst other prophets. And he said, okay, I just want to make sure you, you understood and why you were going and you know he absolutely he was like no she's beautiful beautiful spirit he had nothing but great things to say about you well that makes me feel good yes ma'am he did and um and so 